welcome to the next episode of the Smashing Brands podcast. Today I am joined by Alicia Valavanis. Um, and I'm just really excited for this episode. I'm going to give her the introduction, just a lot about her. There's a lot of accomplishments. There's a lot of things that she's done. So I'm just going to roll through it a little cool. real quick. So she is the CEO and general manager of the Seattle Storm, who are reigning champs in the WNBA. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and Alicia also manages Force 10 Sports Management, which creates world-class sport and entertainment events here in Seattle and she's also been named an outstanding voice recipient and one of 2018's women of influence by the Future Sound Business Journal and additionally she also learned uh, she also earned the Washington Leadership Excellence Award in 2016 and the same year was honored as a distinguished alumni for the college she went to Chico State and she also does a lot of speaking engagements as well, which is where we met. Um, so, Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for doing this. This is exciting. Cool. I just want to record something real quick. There we go. Cool. Okay, so, Alicia, how did we... Let's backtrack a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? What is kind of your background that has led to this point? Yeah, big question. Um, but the truth is, I've just been in sports my entire life. Yeah. I grew up in Valparaiso, Indiana. I'm a Hoosier. Um, you know, in Indiana, they throw you a ball before you can walk. So basketball has kind of been a central part of my journey from yeah. the beginning. Um, I'm an identical twin sister. Interesting. Yeah. Do you guys look alike? Yes, identical. Okay. Identical. <laughs> um, she's a CEO as well. Awesome. But we, we kind of started early on playing hoops together and we played college basketball together, um, continued on and got our master's degrees together and then kind of went separate ways. And okay. although she is now a CEO and doing her thing, it's in a very different kind of realm. She is in the nonprofit world as I'm in, in this one. So for me, you know, basketball has always been this really cool platform. Um, college basketball you know, led immediately to a career in coaching. So I started coaching, I coached basketball for 10 years. I was a division two, division one basketball coach uh, for 10 years, then went to the Golden State Warriors. Wow. And I actually went to the Warriors Curry's rookie season. Oh. So like they, long before they were like the dominant powerhouse yeah, yeah. that they are now. Um, they were preparing for success though. And what that gave me was the chance to watch an organization prepare. So as I look back on my short time with the Warriors, just one year, it was probably one of the most important moments in my career because I was watching an entire front office prepare. Um, from there, I went to the University of California, um, Berkeley. And, and at you know, UC Berkeley really had a chance to work on a different side of the house, was in development. And so from there, built a team, but in a totally different space. Okay. So that was very cool. And at Cal, had a chance to work in the athletic department, do some special things. And the owners of the Storm Club. Wow. And here we are. So what was your greatest lesson learned from working with the Golden State Warriors? And what exactly did you do there? So I was in sales, which was a really, oh. really um, disruptive yeah. kind of move on my track. And you know when I when I think about it, and it's really important as I'm now leading an organization with a bloodline that is our sales team. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, 
you know, the theory of sales and all of that is one thing, to actually know what it's like to grind yeah. on the sales end after, you know, I was an associate head coach. It was not just a move in my career. It was like a very disruptive, I'm going from coaching, I thought I was going to be on that track, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought I wanted to kind of continue on um, to completely shift and change because I had some passions beyond the court. and. I thought, let's learn this and let's just dive in at the highest level of sport and see how they're doing it. And I got in through sales. So I talk all the time about, you know, oftentimes you may want a certain career, but you got to get in where you can get in. Yeah. And sometimes, right. you know, it's through the sales. And it was for me. What does sales look like for a basketball organization? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we have a few different revenue lines, sponsorship mm -hmm. and sales. I mean, yeah. In addition to league support. Like ticket sales. Ticket sales. sales exactly. Stuff like that. So like, we okay. have a pretty, you know, finite number of, of revenue lines. You're looking at ticket sales, merchandise, of course. You're looking at anything you can do from a, a game end. So concessions, things like that, depending yeah. on if you have rights to your building. And then sponsorship. Um, you know, there are media rights, things like that, that have to do with league partnerships. But at the end of the day, what you can control and how you drive revenue, a major, major part of that is ticket sales. And so right. it's a, it is a primary focus here. We have a large ticket sales staff um, and corporate partnership staff, and it's, it is how we generate the revenue. Right. So here you are, the CEO of the Seattle Storm. You know, back when you were younger, maybe as a child, when you are in college, that sort of thing, did you envision yourself being in this position today? Is this what you wanted? You know, I think I always had goals um, to continue to climb, and I've loved the opportunity to be a part of sports yeah. and teams. Like, yeah. I love team. I love connecting with, right. with um, you know, people. It's, it's, a, it's something I'm passionate about. I definitely didn't have circled, you know, CEO of a professional women's basketball team, but yeah. I did know that I wanted to be in work that had true impact. And, you know, that for me has, has led me here. Right. Yeah. So you played basketball since you were young yeah. to four years in college. Yeah. You know, how did being a former athlete really help you become a successful business person? What lessons did you take from that? You know, sport, I think, creates a unique environment that, that is a microcosm of what can what happens at a professional org yeah. environment as well. You know, teamwork is critical to success on the court, and it's critical to success yeah. running any business, regardless of product or service. Um, so I think early on, I started to understand what it meant to be in high-performing teams and dynamics, what it means to have two totally different personalities have to come together and work for one goal. And yeah. really, not just the technical, like the, the theory part of it, but really in real life, yeah, we're, working, we're yeah. working together on the court. Now we're off the court, you know, I'm in business, and it's the same. The algorithm for success it's, on the court, you have to be talented, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I mean, Sue's gotta be able to pass the ball, you know, Stewie doing her job, Jewel doing, Right. you can't remove talent if you want a high performing team. But the X factor is about how the team functions. Mm. And, and that I've been interested in from the time I started to understand what teams were all about. Yeah, uh, It's a major focus here for us, is just understanding how do you value and respect people, because everyone's different. 
and how do you really create an environment where you can be you, but still help us cut down the nets, to use you know, that analogy. How does that work? What are some of the traits involved in some of these high performance teams? Yeah, I mean, I think you, know, you could probably answer the question of, what do you think high performing teams have in common? They trust each other. They respect each other. Everybody has a role. Having like, a shared goal. Yeah, having a shared goal. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. But if you take away just the kind of, again, theory, and what does it actually mean in practice? Yeah. That's where I really enjoy spending time. And it is, how do you deal with each other when you have conflict? Or when it's your job to drive a marketing approach and it's her job to drive a social responsibility angle yeah. and you might both want the same thing at the end right but you're moving with each other because you both have different lines of the business and and also add to that your personalities don't mesh at all right <laughs> like maybe your style is totally different than her style or his style yeah and to me that's where i think you have to spend time like actually getting to know each other yeah there's really no substitute for that like get to know each other spend time together so that you can have some trust so that when you say something i'm not judging it based on who i am yeah i'm actually hearing you for who you are do you think being vulnerable is a big part of that huge huge and one of my greatest teachers is brene brown oh yeah oh yeah of course i just watched her, her uh, netflix her netflix she crushed thing. it yeah yeah she crushed it yeah, she is, she is definitely um, leading that area right now and, and just kind of a leading voice. But yes, I think, you know, vulnerability, empathy, traits that I think historically we've thought of as, as weaker. Yeah, I think they're stronger. like, oh, I think they're the yeah. greatest kind of traits and attributes and strengths of a leader, but not just at the top. Leaders all throughout the organization are demonstrating those things. Absolutely. Yeah. So we talk about high performance and not just this theory, but the actual practicality, what, what it looks like. Yeah. Think about, you know, a big goal that the Seattle Storm recently accomplished. What kind of went into that and what are some of the actions people took regarding high performance to make this work? Like what did that really look like in practice? Yeah. I mean, fortunately we had a championship year on and off the court. Mm -hmm. So. There are teams of people that are a part of this that aren't necessarily hitting shots. Um, and I love to talk about that team as well. There's a front office, back office, there's a team, and everyone goes into building a championship. Yeah. And every single role matters. Um, from our broadcast partners all the way through to the ticket sales team to, you know, Brown Stewart. Yeah. And, and when I think about it, you know, what goes into it, I think at the end of the day, you have to kill what you do. You have to just be dominant in your particular area. But as we've been talking about, more than that, you've got to be talented and do what you do. You've got to respect and value what other people are doing and why their role matters to the team. Yeah. And how you can help them out. You right. know, I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. You're going to have different stress, pressures, triggers. And how can I help you out? How can we actually be a team? And what we saw, and, and the stakeholders involved are comprehensive. I mean, we have external partners. Yeah. You know, you see just even on our jersey alone, Swedish, lead yeah. partners. Um, everybody's kind of got to do their thing mm -hmm. and, and contribute what they contribute to. Right. 
it's a holistic effort, yeah. both the players on the court and everything going on oh, yeah. off the court, because you've not only had a really successful you know, WNBA franchise, but you've also created like a real business model yes. out of it too. Yeah. And so, we're fortunate in that way. We have a lot of talented people and we're, we have an ownership group that is really, really strong. Yeah. And they want us to push. They, they love the entrepreneurial spirit. That's actually one of our core values. Yeah. They are constantly pushing uh, and supporting an effort to be in the front, lead from the front. And I want to acknowledge you for being I think a really talented salesperson yourself because, well, one, you got a Jersey partnership with Swedish Medical Center. You negotiated a new television partnership with Q13 Fox. And just this month, right, you closed a 10-year Jersey patch yeah. with Symmetra Life Insurance, um, which is the biggest sponsor sponsorship deal in franchise history, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. So how did you manage to make that happen? Relationships. Yeah. You know? alignment in value and people talk about that this is another thing that people talk about kind of you know in theory you've got to align in your values but I mean in real life what does I'm, that look like yeah I was sitting in front of this incredible leadership group of Symmetra yeah and we can talk about the values but then we we're like you know living it and breathing it and it was it was so evident that what Symmetra wants to do was in total alignment with what we yes. believe in yeah, and that was, you know, for us, the the partnership made sense on paper, but then now as it's playing out, it makes, it, it's just at a totally new level in terms of value alignment, and it's about relationships. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, a great way to build relationships with people is to have your own core values and understand what their core values are as well, and then being really open to each other about what that is. Because I just feel like if you have the same core values, and that's a really great way to relate with other people and build For trust. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, spot on. I think you've got to you've got to be in the game with people that you connect with. Yeah. Where there's value alignment. But then, like, what does that mean? So if we yeah. value inclusion and diversity, if we value, you know, some of the, what, how, what does that mean in terms of the partnership? Well, it means we're taking on community partners. We're yeah. taking on community partners that impact youth. And we're creating and we're putting investment and time and energy into, you know, nonprofits that actually also are, are supporting those same values. Right. So it's more than just kind of the, the theory of it. So what is it? that's really gotten the attention of some of these big companies wanting to sponsor the storm? I mean, I think at the, at, it kind of starts with, it starts with women. It starts with this idea yeah. that women's professional sports, uh, it's, it's incredible entertainment, but I think there is awareness that there is an inequity out there. Whether it's what the, payer, the players are paid, or the amount of visibility and awareness. And I think most organizations that we are connected with understand that gap and want to help us close yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I really do. I think it may start there. Um, but, but I think that each, of the, each of the partnerships have different areas. I mean, some are focused on women's health. Mm -hmm. Some are focused on youth. Um, but really at the center of all of it is empowerment, for women and girls, yeah, and inclusion, diversity, and equality. So, right. I think it starts with women. That makes and girls. a lot of sense. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about how you know the Seattle Storm is 
won, you know, WNBA championships recently. You know, not only that, but you've been able to get these sponsorships with these big companies, you know, able to hire a team, create a business model out of this. You know, there's a lot of, like, hiring and knowing how to draft the right players yep. and stuff like that. What's been, how have you been able to do that so well? Well, I, I would say it's a definitely about a team of people. Yeah. I've got an incredible coaching staff, um, director of basketball operations that has recently been promoted to an assistant general manager who is a big part of the whole process. We have a talented team of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I am in a unique situation as the CEO and the general manager in our right. league. Uh, you'll see a lot of standalone GMs or a lot of teams that have the head coach as the GM. So yeah. it's, it's unique to have it in this position. Um, with that said, I think with my background and, and interest in that, it made sense for our organization. Uh, and then the, the truth is to answer your question, it's about a really talented group of people that are coming yeah. together and some of the decisions are on and some of the decisions are not. Um, that's just the truth in, in that role as the general manager. Uh, fortunately, we've, you know, had incredible opportunity to bring in some top talent through yeah. the draft, um, but a lot of the, you know, decisions work out, and quite a few of the, the decisions don't. So that's just part of the game. Yeah, just out of curiosity, I mean, you've drafted a couple players recently who've turned into stars more yeah. or less. What do you? How did that happen? Do you? Is there any kind of process going involved where you think, you know, this person could be a really good fit? Do you owe some of it to luck? What kind of goes into that process yeah, of making the right question. draft picks? Yeah, you know, the draft is really interesting. And in the WNBA, um, there's a pretty clear way to kind of build through the draft Yeah. Uh, because of some, some of our free agency restrictions and things like that. So the draft really is a material part of how teams rebuild. Yeah. Um, I knew that going in and thought it was really important for us to have an opportunity through the draft to, to bring in talent. There's yeah. still a certain degree of luck that goes into that. So even with the best odds, you only have a 44% chance of getting the number one pick, even with the best odds. Wow. So for us to get the number one pick back-to-back -back years was incredible. Yeah. Um, Vegas has the, <laughs> Vegas now is, is going on their third number one pick, consecutive wow. pick. Um, so. To answer your question, there is strategy always involved in uh, preparing and positioning for that, but there's also a degree of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody said this, and it was kind of like uh, luck is a comp uh, combination of preparation and opportunity. Yeah. In this case, it has to actually do with lottery balls. Yeah, yeah, like real <laughs> luck. But I, I agree <laughs> with the notion that you know, if you want to take a little bit of the power away from luck, you talk about how you've yeah. been prepared for it. Right. And then you talk a little bit about how you still have, an, have to have an opportunity. At the end of the day, there are really incredibly talented individuals in the world that want to be in different positions and have not yet made it there just because they yeah. don't have the connection or right. the door opened. So I agree with the, the quote. Um, regarding the draft, it's straight up like, yeah, lottery balls. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. It's hardcore like Vegas luck. So to switch it up a little bit, how have you prepared for the type of success that you've had in your career being the CEO of the store? You know, every step of the way, I think, I think you're learning. Uh, yeah. If you're truly a student, and I hope to always be, 
Yeah. Um, I'm learning from, you know, mentors and kind of champions that, that may have positions above me along the way, but yeah. also from everybody on the team, constantly, every day. I'm learning from our staff all the time, and, I, and I'm open to it, and, you know, for me, connection is number one. It's why I'm passionate about this work, impact and connection. Yeah. Um, so I think to prepare has really been about, you know, just incredibly hungry. Yeah. I'm definitely driven, but I'm incredibly hungry to have impact and purpose, um, and then to make connections. So with that, all the, yeah. there's incredible talents around me, and, you know, I love learning from the team. Where does the drive come from for you? You know, I, that's a good question. I'm not sure I've ever really, um, I don't know that there's an algorithm for what makes somebody like hungry. I think some of it may be that certain people are born, you know, there might be some inherent or innate thing. But I also think, you know, I come from um, a lot of, you know, a family that has created opportunity for me to kind of explore my passion and my... So it's kind of about a gratitude. You're like, your family has maybe given you so much that you need to take advantage of yeah, what the I world mean, has given you? Yeah, I, I actually love, I love talking about gratitude. Um, and it sounds like that's something that's relevant for you. Yeah. Just, just even bringing it up in that question. Um, you know, from a, from a leadership standpoint, mm-hmm. And even beyond. I think if we are driven by a space of gratitude, it's very hard to be focused on the negative, to right. be focused on what isn't, to be focused on. I mean, there really is no space for you to, to uh, be super negative and grateful at the same time. Exactly. Those two yeah. things yeah. do not work in concert. Yeah. I think there are times when things are challenging, times when things are hard. But at the end of the day, if, if your default is to gratitude, which mine is, no question. Yeah, um, then you're gonna keep going up. Yeah, and I really do believe that. In, in, in a yeah, world so where I. we have, well, that's awesome. I mean, and that comes across just through your energy. You have to have yeah. it. When you're always doing new things, always stepping out of your comfort zone, life's gonna be hard, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you can't default to the negative or you're gonna fall apart, right? Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. And I think we're, you know, you probably are interacting all the time, and, and some people are like that, and some people aren't. But who yeah. do you want to hang with? Who do you want to work with? Who yeah. do you want to promote? Um, right. For me, it's pretty clear. I want to promote positivity is what's up for me. Yeah, right. And it doesn't mean you can't have challenges, can't have bad days. But positivity and gratitude, if that is not a default, if you truly are not um, kind of wired that way, I, I think it's tough to find space in our work. So how do we wire ourselves that way if we're not already? I think you have to, number one, be open to it, but self-awareness is key. Yeah. Self-awareness is, for me, it's one of those things that I think is the greatest kind of factor in whether or not someone can recalibrate, adjust, yeah. become the person they maybe want to be or imagine they could be, yeah. or just they've given, they've given enough feedback that it's like, I've got to change if I ever want to get there. How do I get there? Well, you've got to at least have self-awareness. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you change hard wiring? I don't know, uh, but I do. I'm trying. Yeah? You seem, you seem already like you've got the wiring. I wasn't born like this. Really? Yeah, I've had to do so much work. Well, then you myself. should be teaching how, yeah. <laughs> And so, was it that there was self-awareness initially that you, you didn't have the hard wiring you wanted? 
Yeah, I think I'm a firm believer that things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Mm, that's awesome. A lot of things in life have a reason for them happening, so I'm like, I like to look at things like, well, if this happened to me, what's well, for a reason? Maybe there's some, some changes I really need to make in my Good life. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like your self-awareness is pretty high. <laughs> so I you. think for hardwiring to truly be changed. Yeah. Um, I think for hardwiring to truly be changed, you've got to have some self-awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to reset the camera real quick. Yeah. Yep. And we're back. Okay, so we talk about auditing ourselves. Right, it's that whole self-awareness. Well, I think I said my question backwards. So we talk about practicing self-awareness a lot. Are you someone that audits yourself on a, on a consistent basis? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think I do. I yeah. think, you know, checking in on a pretty regular basis with where you're putting your time and your energy. Yeah. Which, of course, when I think about, like, our greatest assets, you know, your time and your energy are far greater than any money. But yeah. mon money is, you know, your currency definitely is, is a part of that. When I think about my audit, you know, and kind of checking in with, am I doing every single day things that align with what I say I value, what yeah. I want to value? Do you have it written down somewhere, like your values? Do you have a vision that you look at? You know, I think it's actually more of this internal audit. And it, and uh -huh. it is kind of this practice, which is, where am I putting my time right now? Yeah. Because there, there is no greater asset. There is nothing that matters more than your time, yeah. your energy, and then of course where you spend your where you spend your money. Those three things line right back to what you value. Whether you want it to be what you value or not, it is what you value if you're spending those three assets against it. Yeah. And so I, I do check in with that. Um, fortunately, I'm in work that my minutes every single day are to a platform to drive equality. Yeah. And that feel is very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but it's fulfilling. And so, but you know, personally, I do check in and, and think about, you know, where's, where's my time going right now? And is this consistent with what I want to be valuing? And if it isn't, yeah. recalibrate. And if it is, double down. Right. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, CEOs, executives, you know, we deal with adversity all the time. Not everything's going to go how we want it to do or how we want it to go. Sure. What is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now in your life and how do you how are you working to overcome it? On a professional end or on a personal? Let's do both. Okay. Um, Professionally, there's no question a relocation from Key Arena has been and will be one of the greatest challenges for this franchise. We're coming off of a championship yeah. and we're out of our building. So we're effectively taking this show on the road and having road games for a championship team for the next two, two years. Wow. It's been very hard. Um, the pressure points, the stress on the organization has been very real. With that said, we're excited about NHL Seattle. We're excited about a new yeah. arena. So we're all in, Yeah. but it's been a challenge. Um, you know, personally, I think we all deal with different challenges, Yeah. you know? And, and for me, as I think about um, my work and balance around that, 
you know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about kind of to the time and energy conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, there's some distance between me and most of my family. Yeah. And family's at the very top of what matters most to me. Right. Um, so time with family um, is pretty limited for me. Yeah. So I, I do check in with that and, and want to make sure that, um, you know, as I continue on this track, uh, there's, there's plenty of time with my niece and nephews. I think that's something a lot of people struggle no with, question. especially when they're driven, they're on their path, that sort of thing. At least in my life right now, no you know, I don't feel like there's any sort of balance. It's just kind of like a blend, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm yeah. just responsible for myself. Yeah, I don't have right. any, you know, kids This to is take the time, of. man. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's something we all struggle with. And is there any way we can we can make it work? Is it just like, hey, like, I'm going to block off this amount of time in my calendar for this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's to the individual. I don't know if your fa- does your family live around here? Yeah, they live in Issaquah. Oh, good. They're just good. like... 30 minutes away. Um, yeah, it's still, it is still difficult, I think. Um, you know, in your 20s and 30s, it's, it is the grind. Like, go. Take yeah. risks. Take yeah. shots. Take chances. Um, you know, with, with regard to balance, I mean, I haven't solved balance yet, so I don't preach I don't on balance. Um, what I will say is, you know, connection doesn't have to always just be in person. And, you know talking to your family, talking to the people you love, connecting with them can yeah. be offered in ways beyond. Um, and fortunately, with technology these days, can be offered in a lot of ways yeah. beyond just in person. But I don't, I don't have a solution on, on the balance question yet. I do think Fair this, is the, this the, is the time to grind, though. In yeah. your 20s and 30s, <laughs> um, maybe 20s, 30s, 40s, it's like this is the time to take risks and right. launch podcasts and do all kinds of cool stuff. Absolutely. So like I said, I'm a big pro- so like I said, I'm a big proponent of the idea that things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Yeah. Um, what's been the biggest misfortune in your life that turned out to be the greatest blessing? Wow. I love that question. That's a big question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna deconstruct the question slightly to work for for what I immediately thought about. Okay. So it's not a direct, this offered this. Um, But I lost my college coach to pancreatic cancer when she was 49 years old, just after my twin sister and I had had finished playing. Um, It was just a year and a half or two years after. Yeah. It rocked us. Um, She was a great mentor, a great human being. Talk about balance. She figured out how to be this incredible head coach, but also live life in this really big way. Yeah. And so we were learning from her. Yeah. In these really important, you know, formidable years in college, um, and at a very young age. Yeah. As devastating as that was, I think for me, very early on, because I was rocked through that experience. Yeah. The blessing was. Check in and do work that matters and fulfills you. Yeah, wow. And so her death, although it was devastating, um, created kind of an audit, I think, for both my sister and for myself. That yeah, like focus on what matters. Yeah, focus on, not, on what matters, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I think about her daily. Yeah. That's powerful. So I want to leave you with one last question. Sure. 
This one's a little bit deep too. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, it's the end of your life. You've done everything that you've wanted to do. And something happened and everything, all your work, all that has been erased. There's nothing to show for what you've done. And you can leave the world. You have a telephone line to the rest of the world and you can tell them three wow. things that you know to be true about life. What are they? Wow. Massive question. <laughs> Take a second to think about it. Um, three things I, I think I will have known to be true. Um, we'll go with this. One is something we already talked about. Your greatest um, kind of strength will always be your empathy, your vulnerability, and your kindness. Mm. It is actually um, the greatest way to connect, which would lead me to my second thing, which is relationships. Relationships, regardless of how much money you make, regardless yeah. of championships, cutting down nets. Um, having true authentic relationships getting to be exactly who you are yeah and being loved and honored for that and then honoring and loving people for exactly who they are yeah matters more than anything um, and then I think lastly you know love is love yeah like at the end of the day we really need to offer gratitude and love in this world and you know similar to my first thought but but not really in the sense of um, if the if the game plan really was to just love yeah. and trust that humans are good and default to humans are good. Yeah. I think um, I think we'd see a lot more of it because it's happening everywhere. Yeah. And we're focused, you know, we're focused on the other things um, at times because it's what's being force fed. But humans are really good. Yeah. Yeah, they are. That's really powerful. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was such a great answer. Well, well, you're great. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the you. question. Yeah. And if you guys want to follow her on social media, it's just Alicia Valavanis. Um, if you're watching this on LinkedIn, she's obviously tagged here, or I'll put all of her handles in the show notes. Awesome. So thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, thank you, man. It was great to have you out.